back to Educate Ebony, the prog edition. Hope we're all well, you know, recovered after the awesomeness that was last week's episode. I tell you what, with Jordan Rudess, last episode, it sounds like I held it together. But I can definitely tell you, I was so nervous. It was ridiculous and very excited, of course, but it sounds like I wasn't, which I'm quite proud of. I held it together, you know, it was professional. But seriously, yeah, what a great chat. What a lovely man. And he told me to listen to Close to the Edge by Yes. Very excited to listen to them. I learned about them in my prog rock class back in uni, which if you listen to the previous episode with Richard Chu, who was my old uni lecturer for that class, yeah, learn about them then. But hadn't listened to this album. He said to listen to it on vinyl. So I literally went and bought the vinyl. Yep, did chuck it on my record player and it's so much better listening to it that way. I did listen to it again in the car, just, you know, on my way to work, but it just doesn't have the same feel to it, I don't think. Not at all. And I did write some notes down. I definitely love the organ. I believe it's the Hammond organ back in the day that everyone used to use. I love that use of it. And I think because there are literally three songs broken up into multiple different sections, It's hard to pick a favourite, but I do love the way they use interludes to, I guess, change or introduce the next section of the song. I think that's really cool. And, you know, they rework the song as it progresses. So a song like Close to the Edge, which is literally almost 19 minutes long, thanks to trusty Wikipedia here, I can see it's got one, two, three, four different sections. The hard thing is I haven't listened to it enough times to know where those sections are. But you can definitely hear the progression and how the song morphs and changes. I think my favorite track would have to be, out of the three, I do like Siberian Kachu, if that's how you say it. It's got this really, really cool groove to it. And it just sort of reminds you that prog doesn't have to be rock or metal like it sort of is nowadays. It can be anything. So that was really cool. If you haven't listened to it yet... I mean, you don't have to buy the vinyl, but you should definitely go listen to the album. It's spectacular. But I'm really excited for this week's episode as well, as usual. All my guests are amazing. Um, And before we do, if you don't follow me on socials already, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Educate Ebony. Do some little posting there. You can see what I get up to. And if you do like what you hear and you want to give me a rating, that would be amazing. I'd love a couple of stars or more than a couple. It's up to you. But let's get to it. All right, so for this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I would love to introduce Andrew Cook. Yes, he is another member of Wild Heart. We had Axel and Adam in episode 12 of season one. And you know, I just like that band so much, I just had to grab their drummer too. So Andrew not only drums for Wild Heart, but also Sunsets and Rare Words. He's a busy man, because on top of all that, he somehow manages to have a day job teaching, and he also paints some ridiculously cool miniatures. And he's into prog, so... Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Oh, definitely. You guys have had a huge year so far, and I'm saying this because, you know, eventually when this comes out, you will have already supported Void of Vision and, like, Holding Absence later on, and plus Unify, and plus some other cool stuff. So how's it going? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, You know, we've kind of been, you know, really happy with the reception to the album at the end of last year. And um, all the avenues that it's opened up for us, like, I mean, playing Unify was an absolute amazing experience and um, really fortunate to have that opportunity. And from that, you know, it's just onwards and upwards from here. So we have some really exciting stuff to keep the ball rolling and 
um, announce over the coming months. But yeah, I cannot wait to play with Voidivision next week. They're one of my favorite bands. So very excited. Yes. Yes. It's going to be great. Um, and since we, we are talking about prog and you play in, I guess, a hardcore band, but you like prog. <laughs> How did you get, get into prog? Tell me about it. I guess I just preface this conversation with I'm definitely not the authority on, um, <laughs> you know, progressive rock, metal, hardcore, anything. But I guess, you know, I was kind of introduced to it through going to shows and listening to music and trying to expand, you know, the bands that I listen to. Um, and so it, it'll tie to the album that, I'm gonna, that I've chosen for today that we can talk about. And it was a, a local show at Morefield um, Community Centre in 2007. When was it? What year was that? No, it was 2009 leading through. And then so the band was uh, Between the Buried and Me. And I think I didn't, I'd kind of heard of them earlier than that and been listening to them in preparation for the show. And it really kind of like opened my eyes to, you know, different styles of songwriting. Um, so being the drummer growing up through high school, I was like kind of swing and jazz trained and played in the big bands. And um, yeah, I'd never really seen like that done in heavy music. Like I, you know, when I started playing in heavy bands and writing heavy music, it was very much like, okay, what does this band do that's really cool? Okay, how do we emulate that? And I'd be like, oh, it's a two-step part here. Or, oh, it's a heavy part here. But listening to their drummer and then kind of the way that he, you know, would like modify and adapt parts. And it was really eye-opening and how I could apply that to my songwriting. And then obviously like the, the band that we've spoken about when we talked about doing this episode was Dream <laughs> Theater. And um, I was introduced to Mike Courtney through a Brisbane drummer called Grant Collins. So he essentially came to school, came around to schools and that's how I met him and did workshops with kids um, around drum kit work. And he, um, you know, had at the time had the biggest drum kit in the world and then was overtaken by, again by Mike Courtney. So he was like, yeah, this guy. And we used to kind of have the, have a look at the pictures and, try and count how many drums he had and it was it just ridiculous like so that was kind of how I got to dream theater and listen to them and then yeah obviously going to shows then I found Between the Buried and Me which was really cool so cool all right well what is the one prog album that I need to hear yeah so um I thought long and hard about it because then we were like I had so many ideas and then you're like no no, no it's only one I was like oh. yes so um, <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to stick with Between the Buried and Me um, and the album I chose was the Parallax 2 Future Sequence. And so this was released um, later. So it was released in 2012. So not that they wouldn't have uh, been playing this when I saw them at Morefield Community. Oh, gosh, that feels like such a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, this album really, like, musically, like, taught me a lot about music and, and as a composition and as a songwriter and how to get better. I feel like my kind of writing style changed throughout the years so like I started in kind of heavy rock and then moved into metalcore and I played pop punk for a while and each time when I kind of thought like what is you know what is this what works for this song what works for this part and then I would modify and adapt and kind of push myself even further and the the drumming that you hear on it when it's matched up with like guitar parts and bass parts like really taught me the importance of like a strong solid rhythm section for example like bass and drums working together but then also how drum fills can mimic guitar licks and um, vocal melodies and yeah oh very cool I do want to circle back because I'm interested when people talk about their songwriting and stuff so as a drummer if you have nothing else going on like no guitar parts or anything and you want to write what do you write a like a, a drum I don't know what you call it a drum line a drum rhythm a drum <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess like a, a, a part, like a drum part. So 
you know, I think in, in like when writing metalcore, like, I mean, my favorite band was I Killed the Prom Queen. And so I'd go, okay, what does this band do well? And then JJ, like, was like a really inspirational drummer for me. And I was like, okay, there's a two-step part here. And then it fills into the next verse. But um, so I try and replicate that, but not paying so much attention to like fills and like mimicking guitar parts or like gaps or silences. And then when I moved into pop punk, same thing. But then as I started, you know, getting more advanced with my songwriting, I'd sit down with a guitarist or a bass player and go mm. like, you know, this is where the drums and guitar should line up and do this same fill or the same riff. And then trying different things too. Like um, as far as in my songwriting, I was pretty like straight with how I would structure songs. Like, and then moving into pop punk, it's very like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, um, which I loved, but I didn't, like I would not very frequently push my writing style. So when listening to like a band like Between the Very to Me and, you know, bands like Chon as well, which is one of the ones that I talked to you about briefly, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, they really push you to be a better musician. But then also like what, you know, what works uh, musically around combining parts and um, things like clean vocals over breakdowns, which like the first time hearing that, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Like, you know, um, so yeah, really pushing and, and trying to, adapt and find what works best for the song because ultimately like you know the drum parts don't have to be complex like I'm also one only one member of the band but mm. where do things complement each other and then where is where the drums just kind of sitting in the back and letting guitars or vocals do their thing so yeah when I listen to bands like this and this album really kind of pushes me to you know improve myself as a drummer but also my songwriting composition cool okay so you saw these guys live when they played yonks ago um, how did you first hear this album then? So this one, 2012, this would have been, you know, probably like, I feel like this is like peak sunsets time. So we were like touring and, um, you know, it was probably like we put it on in a van, like in a drive back from like Sydney to Brisbane. There was one, one tour where we did Bridge to Bridge in like 11 hours, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and I feel like it was one of those, like, you know, you put it on and there's a few people up, there's a few people like, playing on the, the switch or whatever is in the back and um yeah we put it on you're just like this is really cool and you can really lose yourself in songs like there's some songs that are a bit shorter but then there's also your 10 minute songs and it's really like conceptually something that ebbs and flows like naturally and and is therefore really catchy but really easy to get into even though it is 10 minute songs and proggy and then the time signature change, changing tempo change and yeah I feel like it was probably like and one of those, or maybe even like, you know, Dan Field, who like recorded a lot of like my first bands, like the Blue Sight Sunsets, maybe he played it for us. Like, but um, yeah, it, like I kind of really got into this album. I can't remember if I saw them again live after this or not. I remember like going and seeing like Misery Signals around about this time. And, um, you know, that was, that was one of the bands I found through them as well. I think the first time I saw Misery Signals was around about the same time, 2008, 2009. So good time for it apparently mm. all around that era i just missed it completely i don't know where i was yeah. <laughs> bands like dillinger escape plan as well like um you know i was lucky enough to see them on their last tour in new york when i was there before covid obviously restricted us from traveling but um mm. yeah like really opened up my eyes to that kind of genre i mean incubus were another one like i used to like froth the album science when i was in high school i guess that's kind of froggy but oh yeah um, yeah like always kind of try to push myself as a drummer and, and listen to different styles and whatnot and not just be like, uh, all I listen to is hardcore because I love beatdowns. But, but. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, when you listen to um, this album or any other prog album, I guess, for example, the first time you hear it or the second or the third, are you analysing straight away or what kind of a listener are you? Do you like to just enjoy it and be like, yeah, that was really great and then be like, hang on a minute, why was it really great and then go into it from there? No, I think it's definitely just listening to it. Like even even after multiple listens, I can like, if I'm trying to go back and like, you know, play a part, for example, like, oh, that feel was really cool. How would I rep- like, how would I play that? And it actually takes a lot to kind of break it down and then go, okay, this is what it would look like on a drum kit. But yeah, as far as like song structure, like it can be, you know, really cool to take inspiration when I'm writing. I find like having a, a pen and paper or a notepad or like on just your notes on your phone and structuring it out, like can really help. So if I'm doing that for my own songwriting, like I might go, oh, that part was really cool. What did they do? So it was like, you know, 18 bars or, or 16 bars or whatever of this, and then a two bar phrase, and then it moved into a chorus or something, for example. I mean, this album has a lot of those little transition bars, which are really cool. Like there's an accordion section, like, like what? it's really cool. So yeah, going back and listening to it and finding where parts change and whatnot can be really cool. There's something, I'm pretty sure it's on this album, but there's like a recurring motif of like a riff that comes back in a little bit differently. And you're like, oh, there's that riff again. And, um, you know, so that like, it's really cool to go and listen back and find those. I mean, in preparation for this podcast, I, I put it back on. I've been spinning it a fair bit again. And yeah, you can really get lost in it. So it's great. Mm, so you think that's what makes this album so great? You just lose your mind, listen to it all day? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it, it, it has, I think it has something for everyone. Like that's what I love about this band is like, you know, you've got kind of like that old like hardcore kind of two-step parts. You've got blast beats, um, which, you know, like the, the drummer's really tight, like doing like doing blasting on recording. Like I, you know, I only have a few parts in Wild Heart where there's blast beats and even that, it's like you do it, take stops. Uh, one more time. Da, 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 da. Uh, one more time. Da, 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 da. Wait, that felt straight. Nope. One more time. And, um, you know, it can be really challenging to get it nice and crisp and clean and, and the same consistency with the velocity of your hits. But he just does it flawlessly. I think it's, it's really cool. You know, there's like flamenco guitar bits. There's like, yeah, the accordion parts. Um, and so it has a little bit of something for everyone, even if like, this is not really the style of band you'd go and just kind of pick up and listen to. Like, I mean, some people like, you know, would pick up Dream Theater and listen to it all the time. Some people maybe not, but I think you can pick this album up and spin it through and, and you'll find, everyone will find something they like in there. Ah, so you're just going to tell your, your 12s to sit down, do your study. I'm just going to put this in the background, just educate you guys a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I don't know if they listen to heavy music or not. So I think a few have found Wild Heart. Uh, it's Ooh, pretty easy cool. too, but yeah. All right, we'll get there. <laughs> All right, well, I guess through your, yeah, one day, I guess through your, I guess, musical career as well, when did you realise this was an important album to you? Probably, like, hard to tell. Like, with, with the album, yeah, probably around that time when I was like, I want to keep pushing my songwriting. Like, I remember the process going into the second Sunset EP was very very different we went in and recorded the first two singles off it like as pre-production and we hired out a venue and we went in and we just ran the one song like over and over and over again and so it was maybe like a six hour six hour session in there just running the one song to make sure that every time we played a fill the fill was the same every time we played a guitar lick the guitar lick was the same and um not really something we had done before and I think you know a lot of 
how tight bands like this and this this album can get on a recording really inspired us to go in and, and you know mimic that like that process we really wanted everything to line up and not go in to the studio and play something one way you know the first time but then play it differently the second every time you play it you know if you need to drop in halfway through a bar you can come exactly back in where you left off because you're playing it the same every time and that like we kind of, you know, we recorded the first EP as a band on the cheap and then moving into this one, put a bit more money into it. But this was the first time, you know, musically I'd kind of been this rigorous. And then I replicate that in Wild Heart. Like every every recording I've done with Wild Heart, I try and push myself a little bit further as a drummer. And so I always want it to be perfect. And I love working with Gaz, who's our engineer, because um, he, again, he'll push me. He'll be like, oh, one more time, one more time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just get it as tight as possible. So he, it's great in that he holds me accountable and doesn't let me settle if it's, you know, not up to scratch. So, yeah, I've really kind of taken that as inspiration in my songwriting and recording and writing music to make sure that each time I'm pushing myself, not making the music harder or more, like, challenging or complex just for the sake of it but just pushing myself what's a better way I could write this what's a cool feel I could put here you know what's something I haven't tried before and then you know then the live show steps up the recording steps up and it's all just you know improving myself yeah it's just what would between the buried and me do (laughs) someone (laughs) said that accordion accordion, flamenco guitar (laughs) chuck it in I'm sure the boys won't mind no (laughs) oh definitely not well for the regular listener like me, um, is there an aspect of this album that you really love that I might overlook on the first couple of listens? What should I look out for? Well, I mean, I think with, um, you know, with a prog album, because there is a lot going on and it, it can be complex in parts. I think listening out for like the, just the simple, like there's a two-step part in, oh, I wrote it down, which song was it? Maybe it's like track two, I think, Astral Body or track three maybe um lay your ghost to rest like there's this just really cool like guitar drums two-step parts and it's just really riffy and you get stuck into it and um you know then you're into the next riff and it's it's like busy again and i i really like listening through and just kind of getting caught in that so that's what i'd be listening for is like cool parts that you're like oh this is you know this grabs my attention because um, yeah. then you move into the next part and you'll be like, oh, what's happening here? Oh, then it moves into blasting or there might be like a kind of bridge section that's a bit softer. Um, so finding those parts that you like and, and really latching onto them going, that was cool. Like, mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, obviously you chose it and the year is 2022, but why do you think it would stand up in future years? I think, it, yeah, I think it definitely stands up. I think like if you listen to their newest stuff now, the production quality keeps stepping up, obviously, because the technology and, you know, the engineering uh, process and, and quality has improved. But I think as far as like as an album, it definitely still holds up. Again, it's the songwriting is awesome. You know, it pushes the envelope. It challenges, you know, I'm sure them as musicians, but also like what songwriting looks like, even for prog bands. And um yeah, I just like, it's cool that they, a couple of the albums are have remastered versions on Spotify, mm. which I'm not sure when the remastered versions went up, but it's cool to go back and listen to those old songs that like we would have had in a CD folder outside the art class being like, hey, check this band out. And it was like, I think it was like Killing With A Smile by Parkway in 2005 in, yeah. in the CD folder. And, you know, take this and listen to it. And, you know, so it's cool hearing music from that era and and. You know, it feels weird saying that era. I'm not that old, but yeah, it feels like feels really cool to have that music and then remaster it and still be able to listen to it and hold up. 
and take ideas and inspiration from it. Yeah, that is cool. I kind of wish we still had the CD books, to be honest. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm sure I've got one somewhere. Yeah, in the car, in the flip-down visor. <laughs> All slid in there. Maybe not. We've moved on for good. <laughs> yeah, my favorite question, because we're going to talk about listening to it. What are my listening notes? How should I be listening to it? What do you recommend? Like a device or like what? Like, <laughs> like or in the gym or like? <laughs> I mean, should I be doing something? Should I be in the certain yeah. mind space? Like, I mean, I had like, it was funny. Like I had it on at the gym Tuesday and I think like it was like the first time I'd been back at the gym for a while got on the treadmill and then the kind of accordion like circusy style part kind of comes on <laughs> I'm like jogging along on the treadmill like having a great time I'm sure got a couple of weird looks but anyway oh yeah um, yeah look it's really good music for long drives like I said like that I remember I'm like I'm sure it was this album like we would have had on touring and um probably like you know it was like 3 a.m somewhere like driving back from Sydney from a show <laughs> and um yeah it was like that was a really cool time to be able to just put it on and listen to it because like I've been listening to it on the drive to work, but my drive to work is like, I don't know, 15 minutes. So that's one song. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely good for, for long drives. Um, gym's pretty funny, um, but there is some tough parts in there. So if you want to go and lift something heavy, it's cool for that too. Um, and yeah, just good headphones because there's a lot of like left, right splits and um, I love that. You know, parts, stereo parts that come through. So. That's my favorite. I'm, I like really satisfying things. I was saying this, literally I spoke to, uh, Jim Gray from Caligula's Horse and we were talking about like satisfying things I'm like when the windscreen wipers just line up that's so good you know so anything satisfying left right oh I'm into it <laughs> the, the, indi- the indicator going with the tempo of the song that's the best yeah maybe we'll go to the gym and we'll just like lift weights in time with the music I, I do that all the time yeah. oh no one knows but you know it's it's, it's great yeah, <laughs> yeah like this looks really cool no one else can hear it but it looks really cool yeah like i'm awesome yeah that's what it is <laughs> well is there anything else you want to add about the album before we wrap it up no i think we kind of spoke about it musically i thought like i really enjoyed i when we were talking about this at unify i can't remember how it came up i think maybe i don't know it, yeah. was it because we were going to watch plenty and so we maybe. were talking about like, about, like prog, prog stuff and, and stuff. we were talking about chon and but yeah like i'm really glad we did end up catching up and getting to do this episode because it was funny that how it came up but that was a good chat at Unify. it was it was hard to now narrow down to one album because i had so many ideas in my mind yeah, I like, oh, one album. <laughs> i think you were heartbroken you're like what no well, i had to go and ask people i was like uh a misery signal prom can i talk about them and they're like oh you probably go a bit more <laughs> no but yeah, the thing is like prog is prog can be anything almost people have such a different yeah. idea of it so yeah, well, there's so many good, like, prog albums. Like, yeah, I, you know, we talked about Dream Theater a lot, um, but I thought I wouldn't choose them. I thought I'd try and find something a bit different. And, um, yeah, really just this album kind of, again, pushes the envelope with songwriting and definitely, like, for drum, like aspiring drummers, like, pushing yourself and, and not, not getting comfortable. I mean, it was really easy after, like, because, I, like, I was, again, swing and jazz trained and I never used to that in music. And it wasn't until, like, late days of Neville's site where we wrote a song in 3-4 and we thought that was, like, oh, this is, you know, really progressive. And then I just kind of, the more I learn about music and the more I push myself, you know, the more surprised I am. I can play this and this sounds really cool. Um, mm. Let's do that again. Or let's, you know, try something new and push the envelopes. So. That's cool. I like it. All right, there we have it. The one prog album that Andrew Cook thinks that you and I should listen to is The Parallax 2 
future sequence by Between the Buried and Me. Andrew, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to this from your point of view. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy. Anyway, I won't keep you too much from your marking. I'm sure you got A's to give. So. (laughs) It's going to be a long weekend.